Schade. It's probably the most famous, most loved hymn of all time. John Newton wrote Amazing Grace after years of involvement in the slave trade. In 1748, he was caught in a violent storm at sea, and his ship was so damaged that he called out to God. A few years later, he finally ended his slave trading ways when he began studying the Bible. He came to see that the trading of human beings as property was despicable in the eyes of God. And he shared his story of how the grace of God had reached him and saved him. He was lost, and he wrote this song to celebrate being found by God. Today, that hymn is sung in churches all around the world. Every weekend, I bet there's somewhere, some church around the world, at least one, singing that song, Amazing Grace. The testimony of Newton's life has affected the lives and the faith of millions and millions of people. This morning, we're going to talk about what people do after God finds them. They find others. Found people find people, and they share the amazing grace of Jesus. Last week, I heard about a woman named Sarah She's the, the head of learning at a prison, and she was talking about two Christian women, both of whom are single mothers, who've taken a parenting program into the prison called Kids Matter. And Sarah, head of learning, kept saying, you know, it's just stunning what's happening with these prisoners who are fathers. She said the results are extraordinary. She described uh, these two women who brought this program to the prison. Sarah described them by saying, these, these two ladies are like fairy godmothers. What amazing work they're doing amongst these men. This is the power of the Holy Spirit working through these women, working through the people of God. A few days later, I heard someone else share her story uh, years ago, she had heard about Jesus for the very first time, and she realized this is such great news, forgiveness, redemption, new life, hope, a future, peace, purpose, love in Jesus, the greatest news ever, and it's for everybody. And she began to pray, God, help me do my part to share the good news of Jesus with others. She started serving in the children and youth ministries of her church to tell kids and students about Jesus. She's found such joy in planting seeds of faith, hope, and love in the hearts of children and youth. Growing up, I was mostly well-behaved. Uh, <laughs> emphasis on mostly. Not always when I wanted to be. I could be a bit of a rascal. I could be a handful. I was often a handful during children's Sunday school. 
I definitely had my moments. My Sunday school teachers were so patient with me. They were so kind, so loving. I could tell, even when I was being difficult, they cared so much. They cared enough to give of their time and efforts to tell me and other kids about Jesus, to help me know Jesus, even me. They helped me meet Jesus. I'll be forever grateful to them because meeting Jesus changed my life. If you believe in Jesus, then someone, somewhere, helped you learn about Jesus and meet Jesus. Aren't you thankful for the intentional effort that person and likely those people made for you? Doesn't that make you want to be used by God to help other people know Jesus too? And isn't that what our lives should be all about? Yes, yes, and yes. Today's scripture reading is a great example of how found people find people. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, one of Jesus' followers, and told him to go and walk over to that desolate road that goes from Jerusalem down to Gaza. Philip got up and went. He met an Ethiopian eunuch coming down the road. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and was now returning to Ethiopia where he was in charge of all the finances of the queen of the Ethiopians. He was riding home and was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Now eunuchs at that time were in demand as guards for members of a royal household. We can't know for sure, but it's likely this Ethiopian eunuch was originally a lower class worker who chose to be castrated so he could work in the royal courts. Some of those jobs required men to become eunuchs so they could never father children and pollute the royal bloodline. It's possible this man had given up everything, including the option of having his own family so that he could advance in his career. Then he looked to the Jewish faith for meaning. Unfortunately, given his physical deformity, he likely would not have been allowed in the temple. And now in Acts chapter 8, he's doing the only thing left to him, reading scripture and trying to make sense of it. The Spirit told Philip, climb into the chariot, running up alongside. Philip heard the eunuch reading Isaiah and asked, do you understand what you are reading? He answered, how can I understand without some help? And he invited Philip into the chariot with him. The passage he was reading was this, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Now those are words in the book of the prophet Isaiah, written down some 800 years before the coming of Jesus. And their passages that among others, Christians see 
as being fulfilled in Jesus. So the eunuch is reading these words and struggling to understand. And then he, he asks Philip this question, tell me, who is the prophet talking about here? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. The story ends wonderfully. The Ethiopian is immediately baptized and then goes on his way rejoicing. Listen to what's happening here. The eunuch had harmed himself, had had his body cut, and he learns that there was someone else who knew what it was like to have his body cut and harmed and bruised. Jesus was cut. Jesus was harmed. Jesus was bruised for us. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. By his suffering, we are made whole. Before the coming of Jesus, because of their physical deformities, eunuchs would have been excluded from the congregation of God's people. They would not have been able to do as we're doing now, to gather with the people of God in corporate worship. Yet, the love of Jesus reaches this man. And the good news of Jesus comes to him through Philip, a willing messenger of the gospel of grace. You see what this is saying? It's telling us that everyone is welcome in the kingdom of God. Jesus came for everybody. That person you least like, maybe that group of people you think are so unworthy, Jesus came for them just as much as for you or for me. And this Ethiopian eunuch is baptized and rejoices. He rejoices because in Jesus he has been embraced. He was lost, but in Jesus he has been found. In the words of that familiar song, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Say the next line with me, you know it. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Down through the centuries, millions of people have found that those words speak for them too. They speak for me. I once was lost. For me, I was lost in self-absorption, a, a life focused on myself. You live like that, and before long, you begin to see just how shallow such a life actually is. I was lost, absorbed by myself, caught up totally with myself. I was lost. And Jesus found me. When I was a young teenager, as I was struggling to find my way and struggling with the tension of wanting to live for myself and put myself first, one of the ways Jesus found me was this. I had a vision of Jesus. I've shared this with some of you before. I remember it as if it were yesterday. I was sitting in my room. And I looked across the room, and at the wall, on the wall across the room, I had a vision of Jesus. I saw Jesus on the cross, 
And with the most piercing eyes, he was looking at me. He was looking right at me. And his eyes just penetrated. I felt like he, he was looking all the way through me, like I'd never had anybody look at me like that before. And in that moment, I knew I was fully known by Jesus. I knew I was deeply loved by Jesus. It was so powerful. In that moment, the words so many people had spoken to me about Jesus over the years, family members, Sunday school teachers, uh, friends, and others, the cumulative effect of those words reached me. And it's like I could hear them in a new way. I could understand them. I could see that Jesus, that Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life, and that he loves me, even me. Found people, find people. I'm so grateful for how God has used the people in my life as a way of Jesus finding me and showing me his salvation. I have a friend who lives in England. He wasn't raised in the church, but he became a Christian when he was a university student. He loves sailing, and about six months after he had become a Christian, he went to Ireland to compete in a sailing competition. And after each race, he and others would all pile into the local pub. All the competitors and all the spectators. One time after a race, uh, he was there in an Irish pub. It was really crowded. He was on his second pint of Guinness. <laughs> and suddenly, in this crowded pub, a girl from his school, who was also there for the competition, saw him and, and approached him. Uh, she, she came up to him and said, so what's it like being a Christian? And he was just totally blown away by, by the question. I mean, this girl was not a Christian herself. And when she said that, he immediately regretted his second pint of Guinness. Wasn't thinking the clearest at that point. And he thought, what a moment. Oh, no. What on earth am I going to say to her? He said the only thing that came to his mind. It was something about Jesus being like a shepherd. They had just a, a brief conversation, only a few minutes there in that crowded pub, and then someone else uh, came up and, and interrupted and, and, and turned the conversation back toward the racing competition again. And my friend left that pub feeling like a complete failure. He thought this was a golden opportunity to tell her how amazing it was to be a Christian, to follow Jesus, to trust in Jesus. And he just felt utterly hopeless, like he totally blew it. Six months later, uh, he learned that that girl had, had become a Christian. Uh, nothing to do with him at all, apparently. But she had talked with someone who explained to her properly what it means to believe in Jesus, to, to, to follow Jesus. And, and this person led her to faith in Jesus, to trust in, in Jesus. The next summer, she was back in Ireland at that same racing competition, and my friend was there too. 
She had been a Christian for six months by this time, and, and she came up to him and said, do you remember that conversation in the pub? And he thought, oh, don't remind me of that. I've been trying to forget that conversation for the last year. But she said, your words were so helpful to me. Hearing you talk about having Jesus as a shepherd, that's something I spent a lot of time thinking about. And I want to thank you for sharing what you did. You could have knocked him over with a feather. Jesus will use us as witnesses, not because we have all the answers, but because we have his love, his spirit in us. And I believe that for some of you here today, God wants to expand your thinking. He wants to broaden your horizons because God wants to do things through you. Jesus sends his people as his messengers of his grace in a world that desperately needs it. God has plans to pour out his love through you, where you live, where you work, with your friends, with your family. Or it may be that he's put a particular passion in your heart to help with the needs of people you know about. How can we, each of us, be filled with God's power? There are two essentials. The first essential is this, ask and receive. Ask and receive. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Elsewhere, Jesus promises, it's a promise from our Lord, ask and it will be given to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The eunuch asked, and then he received. God sent his messenger, Philip, to share the good news with this person. God orchestrated this entire event and called Philip into action to save just this one person. What does that tell you about God's love for each of us individually? Ask for the Holy Spirit and you will receive this great gift of God's abiding presence and power. Ask and receive. Second, show and tell. You might remember that phrase from when you were in school or maybe from the time of you, uh, of your kids or, or your grandkids. Uh, kids bring in something to show their classmates and then they tell them about it. This is Woody again. From the, uh, from the Toy Store, Toy Story uh, uh, movies, and the Toy Store, I guess, too. <laughs> and Woody is quite popular uh, in our house. Our, our kids actually didn't know I'm borrowing him uh, for today. I had to smuggle him in here. Um, but Woody has some marks on his body. You get close to him and you see he has some bruises, he has some marks, he's kind of banged up a little bit. 
uh, from all the times he's been thrown up in the air, and, and sometimes we catch him, but, you know, sometimes we don't. And sometimes Zeke just throws him up in the air and then intentionally walks away, like lets him land on the pavement. I was like, Zeke, what are you doing, buddy? This is Woody, you know? He's supposed to talk. He doesn't talk anymore because he's been so banged up. <laughs> but isn't that how life goes? I mean, we get bruised. He's bruised. He has some scars in a sense. But, but Woody, Woody is so loved, so loved. Every time we see him, it's like our kids just... A big smile flashes across their face. Like, it's Woody, Woody, so loved. When we show the love of Jesus with our actions, we have the opportunity to tell others the good news about Jesus. Jesus will use us as witnesses even when we feel weak, ill-equipped, and inadequate. Actually, just like the original disciples, the first disciples, the first followers of Jesus, they were fishermen. They were uneducated. They came from Galilee. People used to ask, what good could come from Galilee? (laughs) Yet Jesus called and appointed them as his witnesses, just as he calls and appoints us today. In the court of law, there's a difference between a witness and an attorney. Attorneys are really good with words. They construct clever arguments. They have to go through years and years of difficult, rigorous training. They have to take hard exams. A witness is not an attorney. Witnesses simply say what they know. Witnesses simply say what they've experienced. Philip was was willing to go where God sent him. He was willing to be a witness to the good news about Jesus. Are you? Jesus says, I came to seek and to save the lost. There are many lost, hurting people all around us. Some of them might be our family, friends, co-workers or neighbors. On the surface, things might appear fine. They can seem to be successful, happy people, while inside, they may be desperately hurting. And we ourselves might feel lost and hurting right now. Recently, I came across a list of psychiatric calls from our community for February 2nd, to February 8th. These were calls about suicidal thoughts, threats of suicide, or attempted suicide. For that week alone, the list showed 62 different calls. Actually, there were more than 62. I just got tired of counting at 62. So there were at least 62 different calls. And the calls, it says name. It says a little description. It says location. The calls were from people aged 17, To 94, 62 calls in one week from people in our community contemplating trying to end their lives. York Township, Jacobus, York City, Windsor Township, Dallas Town. And those were just the ones who called for help. How many others didn't make the call? There are many people around us who are hurting and need to know 
They are loved. I think about the eunuch whose body was cut and how he discovered a message that could make him whole again. One person shared her story after she became involved in our church and found a home here. She said, and these are her direct words, she said, I used to cut myself to feel something, but through God I overcame it. Jesus has scars. Did you know that? Jesus bears those scars forever. When we see him in his risen glory in the kingdom of heaven, we will see his scars. Those scars of his redeeming love. In a song I recently heard, the words say this. Who ever heard of a God who has wounds? Who else has laid down their glory like you? Whoever traded a crown for a cross will sing now forever that our God is love. Our God is love. And there are people in your life today who need to hear that. And you may be the only one positioned to share that message with them. That our God is love. A teenage girl struggled with depression and suicidal thoughts. She attempted several uh, suicide several times, actually. A friend reached out and invited her to church. Well, that was the last place she thought she would ever go. But she decided, why not? And gave it a try. She felt welcome to church. And in a strange way, she knew this was where she needed to be. From that point forward, she kept coming to church. Months later, months later, she said this. She said, when my friend invited me to church and I came, that was the first time in my life I ever felt loved. Since coming here to church, I've found a home. I don't try to hurt myself anymore. I can't tell you how grateful I am that someone reached out to me through the church. God has saved my life. Ask and receive the filling of the Holy Spirit. Then we can show and tell others the good news about Jesus. Found people, find people. Who is God calling you to find today? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for coming to seek and save the lost. Thank you that your grace is so amazing. It reaches each one of us. And no one is beyond the reach of your grace. Use us to help find others. That they may know your love and rejoice in it. Come, Holy Spirit. And as Jesus taught us, now we pray together. Our Father. Amen.